Awesome. Maybe let's just start out with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much again for this opportunity to release your word, to, to share what's on your heart for your people. Lord, and I just ask that you would make this more than doctrine, make this more than theology, but make your word real to the people that are listening, to those that know you and those that don't know you. Lord, let this be a time where we get to know you even more. I ask you, Father, move by your Spirit in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and fill this place with the power of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last week I was thinking about um, so much of what we discussed, and I kind of hit you with a lot of lot of nuggets, more or less, like sort of like a battery or, or a spectrum of, of grace. But I want to sort of narrow the focus in a little bit more this week. The message is grace and more grace. So you're going to get more grace this week. All right. So we'll recap a little bit of uh, what we discussed last week. Um, you know, we discussed the concept of grace, the definition, um, what it is, what it isn't, its value, its necessity in our lives. Um, and, and, but I want to focus in on today how grace um, really is the way that God looks at you and, and how that God sees you is an important aspect of understanding His grace. And uh, that'll change, once you see how He sees you, it changes the way that you see yourself. And that's absolutely critical. And that happens by grace. And so a couple, uh, couple of touch points from last week because it'll factor into this week and not everybody was here last time. But uh, look, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, uh, Paul is writing and he says, By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So he's, he's saying even the faith that you got saved by, even that was a gift of God. Being saved is a gift, the grace is a gift, and the faith is a gift. All right, so all things are of him, through him, and to him. That's a, that's a concept I'm going to return to in the course of this message. But look in, in Romans 4.16. Again, this concept comes through very clearly. That's why I'm mentioning it in the outset. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. All right, so anything that you're doing by faith is to access grace. And anyhow you're going to have grace come upon your life, it's going to be because of faith. All right? And so we want to get the, that understanding, that dynamic relationship between faith and grace understood down pat. And then we moved into some definitions of grace last week. We know the standard theological uh, definition for grace is unmerited favor. But we also discussed that for a lot of people, that definition sort of goes sideways in their mind because of the way that they've lived. Like unmerited grace means I'm so bad that I'm so terrible, I'm so despicable before the sight of God that he has to invent some way to forgive me in order to bless me. And we realize, uh, you know, after working through that concept, that's not exactly what that means. But for a lot of people, that's what it feels like. And so we want to correct that issue. Um, unmerited favor is more like the fact that merit is what you can work for and earn, like a paycheck. There's really nothing you can work for and earn as a paycheck from God, all right? The Scripture is clear. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life. And there's only one way to get a gift from God. You certainly can't earn a gift, 
if it's my birthday and my wife's like, well, you really earned this gift, it's not a gift. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to make it ridiculous so you can see that God is giving gifts. Salvation is a gift. Jesus is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. It is my Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The whole kingdom of God is a gift to you. And so think about it. Like It's like, okay, then so where do I work? You work, oh, okay, we'll get to that. you got to do some work, folks, but it's not to get acceptance. It's not to get approved by God. It's not to get validated by God. It's not about that. So the merit, it's not that it, it, unmerited means you're so bad. It's just that merit has nothing to do with the equation in God's judgment to bless you with salvation, to bless you with favor. It's not part of the equation. He's doing it because he loves you. And initially what happens to me as a believer, I received salvation. And so the entry to the door is by grace. You know, grace is the door that enters into his kingdom. But I was born again by grace through faith. But once I stepped through the door, the whole kingdom operates by grace. It, that's not where the grace stops to get you in. The scripture says we come boldly before the throne of grace. His whole throne is a throne of grace. That means his whole kingdom is a kingdom of grace. That means his whole kingdom operates by faith. Did you know that even the scripture says that in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it was by faith that God created the worlds. Well, his faith released the grace for that. Come on. So um, we got a little bit excited about that last week. Well, I did. But it's... You know, it's God's absolute favor because when you really look at defining grace, it, it, it's, it, it can best be seen in the way that the Father deals with the Son, Jesus. And we know that um, Jesus was perfect, okay? He didn't sin. But it's just that the, that still didn't factor in. It was still by grace through faith. When Jesus was operating and he was performing miracles, when he was preaching, when he was teaching, when he was prophesying, he was just releasing grace, all right? And so, God's grace for me and for you, if we can envision this, is the exact same way that the Father treats the Son is how He wants to treat us. All right? And, and so you think, well, Jesus never sinned. And then, but I want you to know, God forgives your sin so that you can be in the same, and He puts you in Christ so He can treat you the way He treats Jesus. Well, I sinned a lot. Well, He forgave me a lot too. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's, it, he puts you in that place so that merit has nothing to do with the equation. All right? And so grace is personified in Jesus Christ. We talked about how Jesus, grace and truth, came by Jesus Christ. All right? We talked about how Jesus is the embodiment and the incarnation of God's grace. And Jesus, being the Jesusiest, the most Jesus he could be, is when he was on the cross. That was the epitome of the life of Jesus. That was the greatest act of service. He said, no greater love has anyone than this when a man lays down his life for his friends. That's Jesus on the cross. And that there was the epitome of grace being poured out to me and to you. It starts with being born again. It starts with being forgiven of your sin. It starts with all these amazing things. But it continues on down the list of every promise God makes. Healing prosperity, health, wealth, uh, you know, protection, provision, making a way where there is no way. 
miracles, signs and wonders, giving you the Holy Spirit, giving you his kingdom. It all happens by grace. And so, Lord, I just ask you right now, for us that are seated here, maybe this is a lot to chew on in the first five minutes of a message, but, Lord, make it real to us. Make it real to us. And let me ask you something. Like, if, if you've never really heard of it this way, I'm giving you full permission to wrestle with God over it. You, you, you're allowed to be like, you know what, some of those ideas were a bit troubling, God. Can you help me with Scripture and wrestle back and forth? And maybe we don't land in the same place, but I'm telling you, I wouldn't be talking about grace this way if it hadn't been the thing that changed my life and turned my life around. If it hadn't been the thing that set me on a path filled with the miraculous. Honestly, guys, like if it, it, you're going to go, listen to this message and think, maybe this guy believes the Bible too much. I would like to be guilty of that because, look, I know what happens is my life is filled with signs and wonders no matter where I go. It happens in my home. It happens, it happens all over the place. And this is, ought to be our normal experience because I found out he's not holding it back. It was me the whole time. I was getting in my own way of receiving a supernatural blessing the whole time. All he wants to do is bless you with his glory. All he wants to do is heal you. All he wants to do is help you fulfill your destiny. So at the end of it all, you can hear this. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. You think he doesn't want to say that? You think he's waiting there? Oh, wait till he comes. Wait till he says, I got a surprise for him. You know? Because you know we read those scriptures. Depart from me, I never knew you. I was, I was prophesying. Is a depart from me. I never. I was doing miracles. Depart from me. And we think that. Well, oh, geez, maybe that's me. It's not me, man. I do know him. I do know him. He does know me. He. I am recognized in heaven. And I'm not trying to get validated by miracles and signs and wonders. I'm not trying to get the val. That validation happened in Christ. That's why they happen. These signs shall follow them that believe. Well, I believe. And then they follow. This church is a believing church, and signs and wonders follow. Come on, he gives a vision, and he gives the provision, and then all the rest of it, if somebody doesn't like it, they can eat their hearts out. The grace that Jesus purchased for us on the cross in his blood, it was the blood of a covenant, was made available because he didn't stay dead. He is alive. It's because he lives we can access grace. It's because he ascended into heaven that we can access grace. It's because the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the believers that we can access grace. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. Come on. And so, um, forgive me if I get all excited about this, but I realize I made a shift in my heart that it was more than a theological check that needed to be made. In my Okay, my belief system here will file it under grace. I got it. I need to experience it. I need to be blasted by it. I need to be marked by it. I need to encounter Jesus as the God of grace. And I need him to mark me. I'm talking about how it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, let's talk about everything on that list of things that God will do for you. There's nothing on that list that won't happen by grace. But I just want to zero in on one of them this morning because it's, a, it's something that if you don't have it, It'll change your life. And if you do have it, you can have more. Let's talk about righteousness. You know, I wanted to, I was hoping I would see 100 people roll their eyes like, righteousness, oh boy. That sounds really haughty toddy man. That's, 
That sounds like, man, I don't think I qualify for that. Well, glad you're on the right track. You're, we're getting somewhere now. Because if you think you can get there by your good behavior, you're the biggest fool of them all. Right? It, you got it backwards. And, and I know that religion teaches that. Religion teaches you it's behavior modification. It's sin management. It's behave, behave. But the truth is, it has more to do with behold, behold. Behold the Lamb that, oh man, that takes away the sins of the world. All right. So let's pick righteousness. First of all, let's talk about this. Jesus loves righteousness. Let's jump into Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. But unto the Son, the Father says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. All right? You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. That's a real big mouthful. Let's just zero in on two things. The scepter of his kingdom is a scepter of righteousness. If you don't know what a scepter is, it's like this really cool stick, usually with a, a jewel-encrusted like knob at the top of it. It's just like, it symbolizes God's, or, or it symbolizes a king's power and authority. But it also serves as a function. It also has a function, not just a symbol. It, it is something that on a coronation, the, the king will tap the regalia, or he'll tap a crown, to signify the transference of power, okay? And so it also is something that if, if we can use this, it, it would seal a document. So imagine God sealing the Word of God, sealing the Bible, sealing the canon of Scripture with a scepter of righteousness, indicating the transfer of power and authority that this Scripture becomes the final authority of your life. And this Scripture details how exactly the world's going to go, how it started, how it's going to finish, and what's going to happen after that. But it's a scepter of righteousness. All right? And so think about the significance of that. Jesus loves righteousness. It says in the next verse, you've loved righteousness. So we understand that righteousness is important. All right? In, in Ephesians, Paul says that uh, our breastplate is a breastplate of righteousness. Well, you need a breastplate, apparently, and it better be righteousness. You know, the breastplate symbolizes something that covers your organs here, your heart and your lungs, you know, your trachea and you know, all the rest of it, right? I'm sure there's more things in there, you know. But listen, it needs to be protected. And all those things have a, have a symbolism for, for something. And your heart is important to God. Guard your heart above all things, for out of it flows the issue of life. What if we're guarding our heart with righteousness? All right? And so righteousness is very important, but still it might seem like an intimidating topic to many people, and I'm going to help you with that. Let's start with this. This is the golden verse I'm going to keep jumping back to, um, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he has made him to be sin for us. So the Father makes Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin, Jesus knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And the implication there is we knew no righteousness of God when that happened. And so think about this. I just want, like, do you ever just let the Scripture hit you between the eyes? God made Jesus to be sin for me, 
Jesus knew no sin, and God did that anyway, so that I could be made the righteousness of God in Jesus. Like, it's going to take a lot to get there, right? And so, look, I want you to understand that if, if you don't have this as part of your experience, as part of the way you live your life, this message is designed to help you get there. The presence of God in the room is here to help you get there. I want to get it. And whatever I have so far, Lord, I want more. The scripture says in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Do you even want it? Do you want the righteousness of God on your life? Well, you got to hunger and thirst for it. Once you begin to hunger and thirst for it, just like as if you're hungering and thirsting on your couch, you're going to get up and go to the fridge and look for something to eat. So the scripture, uh, you know, think about the scripture that says in Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is how we deal with the distractions, right? Let's prioritize the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let's get hungry for it, let's get thirsty for it, and let's seek it out. And whatever you have so far, let's get some more going on here. So if you're going to seek and find, come on, as Jesus said, whoever seeks finds, if you're going to seek the kingdom of God, how are you going to seek the kingdom of God? By seeking the king. And the good thing is we can seek God because Jesus is alive. And he's not hiding himself from you. All he wants to do is reveal himself to you by the Holy Spirit. And so it's not actually that hard. And if you think you can create, you know, exert some type of effort for it, all it takes is faith. All it takes is a mustard seed. All it takes is a turning to him and say, Lord, I want you. I'm coming for you. You know, we're doing family devotions these days uh, a lot. We, don't, we barely miss a day. Sometimes, you know, you just can't get it done. But I have a, uh, she's almost two, and she kind of ruins the devotion, right? She's going bananas, right? We got, we got, a, we got like a little uh, karaoke speaker. We got two microphones with wires. Listen, those wires are a problem. Plus the wire that goes into the wall, that's a problem too, and then I got a five-year-old. That could be a problem. But listen, I just keep saying to God, Lord, we don't have it together. The kid's not going to act like T.D. Jakes. You know this. But we're coming. We're coming and seeking you. It's the best I got. Come on. Hallelujah. And you know what? He honors it. Come on. He's moving. He's, come on. The, the baby emulates our tongues when we're praying in tongues. My wife and I were praying in tongues. You know, you know what Hopi says? E-I-E-I-O. And I was like... Right on. There's a bop, 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 bop. And I was like, yeah, let's go. Come on. You know, eventually he's going to put some unction on those tongues. We're all going to get laid out. But listen, you got to go. You got, whatever, wherever you're at in life, start coming to Jesus. Come on, he'll honor it. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Come on, he'll come. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Come on. Anyhow, let's define uh, righteousness a little bit. Let's face it. Entry-level understanding of righteousness is the things you do. There's right and there's wrong. Let's face it. Don't let nobody fool you. There is an absolute right. There is an absolute wrong. We should be doing the right things and we shouldn't be doing the wrong things. However, that's entry-level. This level of righteousness is not anything that we can... Try our best to, I'm not saying you shouldn't try, but I'm just saying, like, 
as much as I can try to do the best I can, I'll never meet the standard because the standard is Jesus, and Jesus is perfect. And so it's part of the equation, but it just doesn't factor into, it, it doesn't factor in the way most people conceive of it. It's still important that we, you know, we don't steal and so on, right, and that we bless people and we do the right things, but uh, we don't do it for acceptance. We do it from a place of acceptance. We do it backwards. I am accepted in the beloved. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Once that comes home to me, it gets a whole lot easier doing the right things instead of the wrong things. And some of my favorite wrong things to do in days gone by, they get the volume knob turned all the way down. I can't do that on my own. I can't do that without the grace of God. All right? And so Paul, he's not against doing things. He said, I labored more abundantly than all the rest of the apostles, you know? And so, but he wasn't doing it for God's acceptance. He was doing it from God's acceptance, all right? The reason why we know, Felix, that we can be accepted by God is because it's based on a finished work of the cross. Forgive them. They know not what they do. Come on, and I receive what he did on the cross. So it's done. He's already made up his mind to accept me. The second I turn to him and put my faith in Jesus, guess what? The whole thing comes crashing in on me. All of God's grace crashes in on me, and I get to unpack it for the rest of my life, all right? And so the deeds do factor in, but I would say it's entry-level understanding, you know? And, and if you're going to do something good, it ought to be done by faith. But more importantly, uh, righteousness is, can be defined as right standing. That's your status in God's kingdom. That's your standing before, uh, that's your status before God. So check that out. Um, It's really important that we know we can stand before God. All right? And so Galatians 2.21, we got to find out how do we get this righteousness? Well, we can't acquire it any other way but by faith. Galatians 2.21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. He died on the cross for no reason if I could somehow achieve righteousness. But if you're of that mindset, you're frustrating the grace of God. I don't want to frustrate the grace of God. I want to get out of my own way. I want to throw open the gates of my heart. It's the grace of God. So long as it's available, I want it all. And that comes by faith. So the righteousness comes by faith. So look at Galatians uh, 3, 5. He, therefore, that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law? or by the hearing of faith. So this is like a miracle church. This is like a healing church. This is like a breakthrough church. We believe that God will bless you and prosper you. And, and, and when we're preaching these things, we're certainly not. We're trying to sign people up for next steps, not for circumcision classes, right? It's not about works. We're not going to get anywhere with that stuff. It's not about ceremonial law and this and that. He's like, hey, listen, it's going to come by faith. If you're going to get a miracle, it's not because you observe the festival. If you're going to get a miracle, it's not because of what day you go to church. If you're going to get a miracle, it doesn't matter if you have a beard or no beard. If you're going to get a miracle, it's because the faith of God was preached. The, the Spirit of God was flowing, and you received grace. Come on. I'm getting excited about this. Come on. Some of you need a miracle this morning, and I want you to know it's on the table. He's not withholding it. He's pouring it out, and you can receive it by faith. 
because you can't receive it with your great behavior or your poor behavior. It's not factored in. You can receive it by faith. Yeah, well, you know, it is of faith that it may be by grace. Come on. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Do you believe God? You know, part of what happens when, when I got born again, part of my initial faith in Christ was I repented. I changed my heart. I changed my mind. I turned away from my wicked ways, and they were wicked. Come on. Nobody had to sit me down and tell me. I knew it. I wanted out, but sometimes you're stuck. Sometimes that's all you knew. But I, what I'm telling you, when the grace of God is present, you see there's a way out of all of this. There's a way out of sin. There's a way out of addiction. There's a way out of hate. There's a way out of trauma. There's a way out of it all. It's the grace of God. And so that creates within you a right standing before God. Well, and I, I think there's an, even, uh, there's an even deeper rung when it comes to understanding righteousness. It becomes your identity. That's where the key verse is today. 2 Corinthians 5.21 for he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, part of my being, I'm made. So, do you, do you, let's, let, let's check into a few things here. Um, do you realize when you're, when you're born again, you become a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. This is part of that package. I am made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's a lot to wrap your head on around. You can't, you can't get that by mental assent. Like, yeah, because you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to be like, well, that must be some type of positional truth. It might be some type of future. But no, listen, Jack, if that doesn't happen to you, you're not going to get it. Did I say Jack? Sorry. Come on. He makes us. So before I do, I must be. You, and that's where integrity comes in. I am the righteousness of God, therefore I do things that are righteous. It's, this is what we have to get first in the core of our being. All right? And so I'm telling you, it seems pretty grand. It, it seems pretty lofty. And, and, and I'm telling you, that's just how much God loves you. In Scripture... You know, we have to encounter Jesus. This is how it's going to happen. We have to let him touch us with his scepter of righteousness for this to become reality when I look in the mirror. Hey, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know? Um, <clears throat> listen to this. 1 Corinthians 1.30. It's all over the scripture. But of him are you in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Lots of big words there, but listen. Jesus is made to me righteousness. All right? He's made, to, and then he's given to me. And then I receive him by faith. And so what happens in that oneness, in that, in that encounter, in that enmeshment, is it's going to rub off on me. I become a new creation. I become a new person. Uh, look at this in Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. I love this one. I'll read two verses for you just so you can see how this is all about Jesus. Um, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. Well, now we know he's talking about Jesus. 
and the king shall reign and prosper. Awesome. That's what, I, that's what I need, that type of king. And shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days shall Judah be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. So we've got to understand that Jesus is righteousness. And when we encounter him, come on, something happens. He marks us deeply. I want, I'm deeply marked by righteousness. And then that's where you start to see um, you begin to assume righteousness as part of your core identity. Is when you assume righteousness as part of your core identity, it's because you're identified with Jesus, and Jesus is righteousness. All right? I know, it seems maybe it's a lot for a Sunday morning, but I'm telling you, if you got a hold of this, this will change everything. And then we can work on this progression from the inside out. So it's my identity now. I've encountered him now. I know that's who God is. And, and, and so now that I know that's who I am is the righteousness of God, I know I stand before him, and I know I can do the right things from a place of total acceptance. And then guess what? You're, you become a world changer. Your life changes. Your world changes. Everything, everybody around you gets blessed because you're experiencing yourself the way that God truly sees you. Can you imagine this, this an individual who is suffering under condemnation, under shame, under guilt, when God is just looking at the person as his righteousness? It's like, when are you going to get it? I don't see you that way. I know that you've been programmed by religion. I know you've been programmed by the mistakes you've made in the past. I know that the devil's all over you about this, and he's trying to make you feel bad all the time. All that's trying to do is corrupt your conscience so you can't operate by faith. But I need you to know the way out of it is to just let him blast you with his goodness, with his glory, and come to him as your righteousness. And I'm telling you, when you start to see yourself differently, you start to do things differently. He adds the miraculous to your life. If I have right standing before God, I better be standing right before God. I can stand right before him. It's not theoretical. It's great doctrine, but listen, I want to experience what the Scripture says, come boldly to his throne of grace. You can actually experience that. Sorry, if you don't think so. Like, here's the thing. If people aren't, if people aren't encountering Jesus, they've got to come up with a theological reason why that's for some other time. But there are people on the earth who are walking in that level of grace. And I must become one of them. And whatever I have now, I need more. There are people on this earth that are raising people from the dead on a regular basis. They are preaching the gospel. Scores of people are getting saved. People are seeing all kinds of miracles. Come on, and, and guess what? I want to be in on it, man. I want to jump in that river, and this is the way you do it, by faith. And so, uh, listen, this is how you know your love is made perfect, that you can stand before him in the time of judgment, Think of that. The reason why he makes you his righteousness, if you think about how amazing that is, how grand that is, how out of the box that is for most believers, listen, it's because he loves you that he gives you that as a gift. So think about this. Me, I love my wife. 
So sometimes when I'm trying to get her a gift, I try to be inventive. I try to figure out how to get money out of the operating budget so that she doesn't see what I'm buying her. She right? I'm trying to do something, but I only have so much money. I only have so much creativity. I only have so much ability, right? I do my best, and, and a lot of times she likes it. And the same thing with my kids. I try to bring them home surprises and stuff like that, and they like it, and it's fun. It's because I love them that I'm doing that. But God is almighty. God is all-knowing. God is everywhere at the same time. And all of this vastness and majesty, when he decides he's going to love you, come on, Godfrey, he decides he's going to give you his best. He gives you his righteousness because there's nothing you could have achieved on your own. So he just gives it to you as a gift. And all you have to do is get out of your own way and say, all right, I'll have it. I yield. <laughs> you know? And so, listen, this is the gospel. This is what makes it so awesome. This is what turn, turns lives around. And then all of a sudden, the scripture says, let your speech be seasoned with grace. Yeah. Why? Because you've had an internal transformation. And so day one, you get born again. You're in the kingdom. You went through the door. But guess what? Every day after that is a day of grace. Come on, it's a day of faith. It's walking by faith. It's living in the spirit. It's living in the light. Um, and so... Think about, think about how much victory is available in all that. Grace isn't weak. It's powerful. All right? And so a lot of people are distorted because of the religion. Their, their, their view of themselves is distorted, maybe sometimes because of trauma and all the rest of it. But I want you to know the grace of God is greater than that. It'll blow it right out of the water. Because you know what? Jesus is greater than that. You know, uh, uh, the psalmist David, he said this. Your loving kindness is greater than life. Your loving kindness is better than life. Think about what that means. Life is pretty amazing. I'm experiencing life right now. I am alive right now. I ha I'm looking out of my eyes. I can hear with my ears. I'm, all my senses are functional. And guess what? His loving kindness is better than this because eventually it's going to be over. You know, at least this part of the life. But his loving kindness is greater it's greater, and, and that means it can completely overshadow whatever you're experiencing right now. His loving kindness, which is another way of saying grace, completely overshadow whatever you're experiencing. And so I just want you to see that, you know, grace isn't something you can add to uh, the old man. And when I talk about the old man, I'm not talking about your age. I'm talking about, you know, when all, all things became new, old things passed away. That's the old man. You know, in Romans chapter 6, oh, it's 11.19, dear. Okay, let's finish that thought. Um, I was just like, yeah, okay. I told you I was excited. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, grace through faith. Okay, yeah, the, uh, the new wine, the old man, all right? The old man is the man that passed away. All things become new. Listen, Jesus said you don't put new wine in an old wineskin. And you know what that means? He's going to give you a new wineskin. The new wineskin is the new man. He's fit to receive the righteousness of God. He's fit to receive and become the righteousness of God. It's a whole new operating system, all right? And so it's sort of like Lazarus. He's called out of the tomb, but he's still wearing the grave clothes. And he's got to be unbound. So take those grave clothes off of him. So a lot of times you're born again, but you still have a lot of the similar ideas. A lot changed, but there's some way to go. 
You know, and one of the favorite scriptures around here is um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right? And so that requires us to continue to pursue grace, pursue his word, pursue encounters with him, have devotion, worship him, read the scripture, study the scripture, research the scripture, fellowship with the saints. And what happens is you go from glory to glory in all of this. And so that's, that's kind of what, that's the gist of it anyhow. But I want you to know it's not about behavior management. It's not about sin management. You know what it is about? It's, it, it's about, you can almost forget everything I told you about grace. It's just about Jesus. If you have him, you get it all. Right? All things are, are like he has it all. With Jesus plus nothing is everything. He's all you need. He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. And so let's get, let, let's keep pursuing Jesus. Lord, I ask you right now for the people that are here in the room, those that are watching and even on the rewatch, Father, I ask that you release revival. I ask you by faith and I receive that grace for revival. I ask you for the faith, for the faith for growth, and I ask you for the grace for growth that we would, we would double and triple. Lord, we believe that we have something to offer the people of this community, of this nation. Lord, your grace, your goodness, the gospel, miracles, signs, and wonders. Lord, help us. Have mercy on us. I thank you for your goodness. Those that, are, that have illness uh, or sickness, injury, in the name of Jesus, I just release the grace for healing and deliverance right now. I release grace for healing. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Those of you who have emotional turmoil, who have decisions, you're not exactly sure what to do. I just release the wisdom of God in the name of Jesus right now. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Those of you who you're hearing this and, and you're like, you know what, I haven't really heard the gospel like that and, you know, listen, you can formalize your faith in Jesus with a very simple prayer. Listen, he wants to, maybe you feel bad about something you've done, maybe, maybe you haven't really been tracking with Jesus the way you know you should. Very simple, he'll forgive you, he'll restore you, he'll put you back on plan A. Maybe you just don't feel like you're on the right track. Listen, he'll get you on track in Jesus' name. So why don't we uh, put up that prayer where you can formalize your faith and your allegiance and loyalty to Jesus. So we'll read this all together. Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my salvation. I ask you to forgive me of every sin. I repent and I'm purposing to change the way I think and live. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, help me learn about you and to grow in this kingdom lifestyle. I declare you're my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for receiving me. Those of you who, who know you were restored, who know that you recommitted, those of you who know that you have committed your life to Jesus for the first time now and that grace has come upon you, let somebody know. Let me know. Let one of the pastors know. Feel free to come up to the front after the service for prayer, and uh, we'll continue to pray for you. In Jesus' name.